0: Pharmacy Podcast Network is a proud supporter of the PDS Super Conference 2022. This conference is about building an unstoppable pharmacy. Listen to this three-part series on the pharmacy industry's leading business conference for pharmacy owners. Join us for three immersive episodes about learning and connection at the PDS Super Conference. It's time to unleash the potential of your pharmacy business.
1: Pharmacy owners, we are here at the PDS 2022 Rx Factor Super Conference in Orlando. It's so good to be back and actually see people I haven't seen in years. Last time I was at PDS was 2018, and every year I get surprised at the energy as well as the programs and speakers that they bring to the table. My favorite part about PDS is the intimacy that's built between the business coaches and the members. And why I'm excited about our next guest is because this person is a rockstar business coach in helping their um, members and the pharmacy owners leverage the proven strategies of how to actually help build their business and do more and thrive. Jen Deal, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you. So tell us about a little bit about yourself and how did you get involved with PDS?
2: Yes. So I am a managing business coach with PDS. I have been here for about three years. My background is accounting and finance and and business. So I'm a certified professional coach. I have a doctoral degree in accounting. I'm a CPA. And so I bring this nice blend of business and numbers to help our independent pharmacies thrive.
1: That's my weakness. So um, I need people like you in my life that understands numbers and accounting and And being good stewards of of (laughs) funds and keep it going. So um, what's changed since you started with PDS in the world of community pharmacy?
2: Really the innovation, you know, sometimes the the pharmacy owners are, I just need to get my house in order first. (laughs) And and so, yes, that's the case for some folks. And there's such a wide range of innovative ideas that are able to be put forth. Let's laser focus on what is the thing you want to do? Is it compounding? Is it procurement? Is it marketing? Whatever it is. And so really laser focusing on the new things that we can do. It is no longer financially sustainable to just dispense medication,
1: as you know. So if I'm a single pharmacy owner versus someone who has 3, 6, 20, um, you know, which actually becomes more of a micro chain in some communities, the aspect of money management and fund management is just as important if you have 1 or if you have 20. However, I can imagine that there's complexities to scaling As someone that's a CPA that understands that, talk to me about scaling. Someone's listening to us right now speaking about um, the PDS conference, and I'm a pharmacy owner, and I'm not necessarily a member, but I do want to grow my business. I want to scale. I want to move from one to three to five stores. What do you tell a pharmacy owner like that?
2: First of all, anything is possible. To keep pursuing your dreams, whatever it is, anything's possible. And then as far as the actual logistics of... um, replicating, if you will. So let's say that we have centralized processes, procedures in place at the first location. Then we just start looking at how do we replicate that? We want a centralized culture. And so it's not just about the numbers. Yes, the numbers are important, but it's about the team, it's about the culture, about the operations that we have in place. So making sure we have all of those in place, taking care of our house first, right? And then replicating all of that so we can mimic what we have with the best practices to the other locations.
1: So what do you do from a coach perspective in starting out with a pharmacy who's never had a business coach before? What are some of the uh, go-to strategies that you implement um, from the get-go?
2: Yeah. First, don't be scared. Some, pe- some people <laughs> hear the word coach and, they're, oh no, what am I getting myself into? It's really not that scary. We're harmless. And really it's taking a diagnostic look. So looking at um, the business in at in a high level, holistic look at the independent pharmacy. And so looking at our pharmacy performance framework, we have four quadrants. We're looking at our financials. We're looking at our team. We're looking at our growth. We're looking at our operations. And then digging deeper into those 15 key performance indicators. Where does the pharmacy have improvements? And it's no judgment. Opportunities for improvement. Where do we focus on Where are the things where there are opportunities for improvement? What's our primary objective? Strategic planning, create the milestones, who's accountable for it. It is not the the show of the owner all the time. Let's delegate and then move forward.
1: That's excellent advice. Um, We always hear towards the end of the year, uh, many of our clients um, that will have uh, technology platforms or packaging systems or adherence, that they're always encouraging pharmacists or pharmacy owners to purchase Um, make large purchases towards the end of year for like write-offs and but they're like don't do it just for the obviously for the write-off do it for the right reasons how do you blend uh, giving advice to your pharmacy owners blending innovation technology and good uh, stewards of money management
2: yeah, it's, so it's finding a balance, right? It's it's about the patient care number one. Bottom line is not number one. Sometimes Amen. we sometimes we think that's what it is, and that is not it. Everything else, the patient care, the team culture, everything else is going to drive the bottom line. And so, the patient balancing the patient care with adherence, packaging, the sink, customer service, and are we able to have profitable volume all at the same time? That would be that's amazing, and that's what
1: our goal is. So recently, uh, just a couple weeks ago, the FTC came out with a very strange decision not to investigate PBMs. Um, Two of the five uh, FTC board members voted that they're not going to move forward with the investigation. Extremely frustrating news, I'm sure, for lots of pharmacy owners. Definitely frustrating for me as well, who's someone who lives and breathes pharmacy every day and wanting pharmacists to be able to practice at the top of their license without being held back by uh, insurance administrators that sometimes don't seem like they really have any value. Um, I'm sure you hear from business owners and your members about the frustration around DRR fees and PBMs and the reform that we're going through. What do you tell them that they can do During this time of flux, as we're waiting for shoes to drop from our legislators and and laws throughout the states, how do you keep their uh, positivity up from a CPA perspective or an accounting perspective?
2: Sure. So I think it's focusing on what we can control. And there are things that we actually can control. If we get so focused on the things that we, we have no control over, and, and even with our mindset, we go into this, this negative mindset, it changes everything else. So let's focus on the things that we can control. Let's look at other profitable strategies, whether it's the up solutions or compounding or 340B or whatever the up solutions are, the, the non-PBM revenue is, yep. if you will. Um, looking outside of the box and not staying quiet. But getting your voice out there at the same time to try to change the future. Yep.
1: That's a really good, I always, always encourage pharmacy owners at least once a year, put an invitation out to their state legislators, to your, to your state reps, to your senators, to come tour your pharmacy to understand what you're doing for your community. Because I think, and I not, I think I know that those kinds of meetings make a huge impact on those people that are making laws for your state they come in and they are like oh my goodness I had no idea that a pharmacy does what you're doing to not only keep um our community safe but more importantly keep them uh healthy and keep them going and keeping um you know community strong so um I'm excited to hear you say that because I absolutely agree that you have to have your voice heard
2: And Cassandra Worthy spoke last night, uh, was our keynote speaker, and she was talking about how you can respond, how you respond to things, and it's bitter or better is the choice.
1: Bitter or better. And we'll end on that. Jen Deal, thank you so much for being part of our post-show. We absolutely love PDS, and we hope to hear from you in the future. Thank you. That was Jen Deal, a business coach at PDS
0: who specializes in helping pharmacy owners improve their business the right way. Next, we talk with Drew Haggai with First Financial Bank, a proud sponsor of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Talk about how First Financial Bank is helping independent pharmacies nationwide.
1: Pharmacy Podcast Network, you you listeners, you, you pharmacy people, you pharmacy professionals. We're celebrating here at PDS 2022, the RX Factor, the Super Conference. One of our supporting organizations that has been part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network family for years now has been First Financial Bank. And they've been a special part of our family in giving us great content about uh, pharmacy ownership and growing your business. The one and only Drew Hayguy is here with me today. Welcome, Drew. How are you? Todd, thanks for having me. I'm good. So we're here in Florida talking about the weather. Goodness gracious, the Pittsburgh uh, people here, um, my crew is here, and we're loving Florida. Something to be back with people and not have to be in front of a Zoom screen is just a good feeling.
3: Yeah, it's a great feeling. The weather has been phenomenal here in Central Florida in mid-February, so that's been a plus. But just connecting with colleagues and friends and uh, other companies that we haven't seen, representatives, uh, it's been good. The attendees, the conversations, it has been, feels like a long time since we've done this, uh, but it's really, really good
1: to be back in person. First Financial takes a very special, very intimate look and focus on community pharmacy. And I've been so impressed with how many pharmacies you've helped since I've since you guys have helped us and it's been 4 or 5 years now. Why are you focused on community pharmacy? What it is it about this business that First Financial Bank has done so much for? You know, it's a special year for us. This is our 10th year of our pharmacy division. Uh, we just went over
3: 350 million in pharmacy loans closed, helping independent pharmacists realize their dreams of ph- pharmacy ownership. And it's just been a uh, an industry and a line of business that we have been behind uh, for the last decade. And uh, very rewarding from uh, Bo Garman, he's my counterpart. Uh, work, he's on the show floor now, uh, but just um, the Uh, opportunities that we've had to help pharmacists get into ownership by that practice that they work at, by that practice that they found, um, that they want starting their own. There's been a number of different scenarios that we look back over the course of 10 years that we're extremely proud of. uh, With our SBA lending background and our community pharmacy knowledge and
1: expertise, it's been a good fit. All right, I'm gonna paint a scenario for you. Ready for this? All right. Come on. So I've been working for a chain pharmacy for five years um, I've paid off all my student loans. Um, I've started saving up some money. I want to be a pharmacy owner. What do I do? Like, uh, how do I get started? What, what are the, what's the nuts and bolts of, of owning my own pharmacy?
3: You got options. You're in a great spot. You've, you've gotten rid of that student debt. Good for you. You got some cash in the bank. Good for you. So you can look at, uh, an existing store that is in your area that you want to be in, that you're, uh, you want to serve your community. And you can talk to the owners about, uh, exit strategies that they may have, what is their next step, how do they plan to um, transition the store, keeping it independent. Uh, That's the bulk of what we do is helping that pharmacist that you mentioned buy that practice, buy that pharmacy. Um, And we would obviously give the loan, um, make a loan to help them uh, meet that purchase price requirement, or you could start your own. Um, that is, we've had several conversations out on the show floor uh, here at PDS about pharmacists that are wanting to uh, start their own pharmacy. Maybe there's not, not one for sale in their area, or maybe it's, you know, the chains um, sort of have the market, but they think the independent can get in there and you know provide that level of service and gain a lot of those customers. So we do plenty of those as well. So to decide how you wanna approach getting into ownership and then contact us and we can help you with the financing that will be
1: required to make those happen. All right, I'm gonna shift the gear again. So I'm a pharmacy owner. I've been a pharmacy owner for 10 years. I have two locations. I'd like to buy a third or a fourth location, for example. How does First Financial Bank work with me in that situation?
3: So you got a proven track record at that point in time, that's great, it's easy for us to see what you've done with your other stores and know that you're ready for multi-store ownership. And that's um, a couple of good options there in in terms of SBA. There are some programs where you can do 100% financing where it's not, um, a change of ownership loan typically requires a 10% equity injection. But when you're an existing owner of stores, that can be viewed as an expansion of your your practice. And that can be, and that's eligible for 100% financing. So we can talk through options there. But if you do have some cash and you want to put you know, the typical 10% down, then just
1: call us and we'll get an application to you. We're ready to go. Excellent. So ffb1.com. I know that for sure. Uh, Drew, hey guy, it's been awesome to be talking to you. Thank you so much, by the way, for supporting the Pharmacy Podcast Network and can't wait to see you next year at PDS 2023.
0: That's right. Thanks for the work you guys are doing and uh, thanks for having us. Let's listen in as John Allman and Mike Wilhoyt with Max Pharmacy, an independent pharmacy in Knoxville, Tennessee, talk with Todd about how PDS has helped their pharmacy overcome the many
1: challenges independent pharmacy owners face. Hey, here at PDS 2022, the RX Factor, the super conference back in front of people. High fives. I'm a hugger. I have the green sticker on, which means I'm a hugger. And I I, I just I love being around people but have missed being able to see and talk and I'm zoomed out. So I don't want to do any more zoom. So we're excited. We're celebrating the rise and the transformation of community pharmacy and how pharmacy development services has really put some programs together that can be executed and can be enhanced and can be uh, change um, the way that a community pharmacy is embedding themselves, not only in their community, but as a healthcare destination. And the programs that have been pulled through PDS, and I've been part of uh, watching this organization grow for for 10 years, has just been amazing. We're here with two pharmacy owners um, that are part of Max Pharmacy out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, And I want to introduce to the Pharmacy Podcast, uh, John Allman. He is our chief operating officer of Max. Uh, Welcome, John. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. I also want to introduce the owner, Mike Wilhoyt um, with Max Pharmacy. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for having us. So let's start out, why invest when you have so much going on, you have a family, you have a business to run, why do you invest the time and money to come to, to PDS, Jonathan?
4: It's simply because I see, you know, a group that truly has a passion for independent pharmacy. And I mean, that's kind of why I'm here. I've been extremely blessed to have started my pharmacy career with Max. And, you know, I've got a lot of colleagues who didn't jump right into independent. You know, you kind of had the placeholder with a chain and I hope they survived <laughs> some of that. Um, but I, I, I couldn't imagine, um, I really got the job and with the company that I wanted to, to make this the best possible thing for me. And with PDS, I mean, it's not just about the programs and the leadership, which is great, but it's meeting other independent pharmacists and business owners who are like-minded and they're with you. We all support each other and move forward. And, um, it's
1: just bringing everybody together like that is really one of the top tier things that I see from PDS. What, what do you find to be a current challenge in community pharmacy, um, that really is holding us back uh, to serving our patients and What have you found here at PDS to kind of alleviate that issue?
4: Well, just a little bit of a generalization is, you know, we've had a couple of good keynote speakers who are, you know, motivational, yes, but also, you know, a lot of guidance. And I think over the last few years with, you know, you can't, you can't talk about pharmacy or healthcare without mentioning COVID at some point, right? Right. Uh, And so one of the big things they've, you know, discussed several times is, you know, we're, we're not, we're not too busy to take care of our patients. You know, we, we, Sometimes we feel like we're too busy. We've got other things going on. Uh, Chris spoke the other day about, you know, it's easy to say that, um, but absolutely when you put your focus on something, you'll be, you know, amazed at what you can do and uh, how well you can take care of it. So I've got a lot of support from, you know, the keynotes that we've seen so far about focus, delegation. And knowing that you really can't accomplish pretty much anything, you know, if we kind of focus on it. And just a quick example from us is, you know, when COVID hit our communities hard. And I think um, I'm trying to remember exactly what you said when you opened the podcast, just about us being a community hub and a focus not just for healthcare but for information. And truly, like I'm proud of our stores and our businesses about being just—I don't know if comfort's the right word, but they can reach us immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's been a scary few years for a lot of folks. And yeah. I don't think I appreciated that because I'm in healthcare, I understand vaccines, but it's been scary. And I'm also that age that, you know, it wasn't the huge risk factor for me maybe, but yep. it's been uh, really scary. But one of the things that I would have, if you'd have come to me early and said, Hey, John, I need you guys to give 30, 40,000, whatever we ended up doing COVID shots over the next three to four months. I'd have been like, we're too busy, <laughs> um, but, the communities needed it. We figured it out. Um, literally days where we stood uh, in our parking lot at one of our stores, and I think what was our big biggest day? Maybe 600 vaccines, and they never left. Yeah, and they never left their cars. Uh, and we did that for three months straight. And so, yeah, it would have been easy to say, "No, nah, I think I'm going to be too busy for that." But. Um, looking back, we did what our communities need. We plugged in with them. We accomplished a lot. And again, the the, the question, you know, to answer your question, you know, what have I gotten so far? It's just support focus
1: and that we can get, you know, we can get done what needs to be done for our communities. Mike, describe to the listeners the model of Max, because I know that you're a community pharmacy, but I also know that you have a long-term care division. So kind of describe the, the, the family of Max Pharmacy.
5: Sure. Um, Max Pharmacy is a solutions-oriented company, Um, and so what that means to us is, you know, when we started, we were a retail community pharmacy in the traditional sense, Uh, no compounding, no specialty packaging, Um, a lot of the extra things that we're doing now, um, you know, was taking a hard look at what the community needs and seeing what what was currently being offered in the community and where there was a, a gap in that Uh, in that need, and so increasingly, we have been focused on um, a population base that needs the highest level of care, and I think that's uh, probably in line with a lot of um, independent pharmacies, um, specifically independent pharmacies that are here at PDS, because I do believe that the PDS conference does draw in, um, you know, a very high level um, of independent pharmacy owners. It's a great networking experience to learn from others. But when you take a look at the community and you say, you know, uh, we're in East Tennessee primarily. um, We have stores outside of that, but primarily in East Tennessee, um, diabetes is very prevalent. Um, You know, what can we do for our? our, You know, we ask the question, what can we do for our diabetics um, that uh, that that is something that they need um, that is not being addressed in the community? And so our diabetes programs would have you know kind of evolved from that. One of our our biggest things that we're currently doing um, is our, of course, synchronization is kind of the backbone of a a strong independent pharmacy at this point, Um, I I truly believe that. Um, And a lot of things grow out of a strong sync program. Um, One of those for us is our packaging program for residents that actually live in the community. And so, um, you know, we were uh, doing this back in 2008, 2009, um, started that, Um, and again, it was the same thing. It was looking at the population base, and seeing the population that was on the most medications and you know being young um, not on many medications maybe a vitamin and an allergy medication and just to struggle even with such a limited amount of medications just remembering did i take them when do i take them those type things and then you start having patients come in with 10 plus you know medications multiple disease states mm-hmm. medications throughout the day the refills are spread out all over the place it's just it, you know you can literally go into somebody's house and their kitchen table is nothing but a big pile of bottles, and it's an absolute mess. And so being able to go in, synchronize all their medications, get it packaged, improve their therapeutic outcomes by getting them to take their medications correctly um, is, is huge. And so, again, it's, it's just asking that question, what does the community need that's not being addressed, and then really focusing on that 20% of the population that takes probably 80% of the medication. Um, and so, yeah, we definitely have, um, you know, services for the young family. Um, we have the kids vitamin program and those type things and, um, love having those folks come into our pharmacies. Um, but we really do tailor most of what we do to, uh, the high disease states, you know, the people with the highest needs in the community, um, because those needs just aren't being addressed, um. In my opinion, outside of some of us in independent pharmacy, um, you know, uh, some of the bigger uh, box stores, you know, aren't aren't designed to do that. And you know, if and not everybody needs those services. Sometimes people can go through a drive-through, get their medicine quick, and go home and look it up on the internet. And that's fine. There's a place for that, right? Um, but not everybody uh, needs. Not everybody can 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 have it that way and and need an extra level of care. And that's what we try to provide. So the synchronization and packaging program actually led into um, a new business for us, which was long-term care. So back in, gosh, it was probably 2010, um, you know, as we were doing packaging for the community, um, I had always had a dream of starting a long-term care pharmacy, going through school. I did rotations at long-term care pharmacies and just loved what they were providing for the community, Um, saw a lot of the providers that were out there, and again, it was very big box oriented mm-hmm. um, and kind of seeing a need in our own community. And I was like, you know, I'd, I'd love to get an assisted living home or a nursing home or somebody to take care of and, and, and kind of go from there. So we got our first one. Uh, we were blessed to get our first one. The first one is the hardest yeah. to get. Yep. And then uh, we just took the approach, you know, we were going to over-service them. We we're going to blow them away with service. And um, I believe that we did that. Um, and a short time later, we actually got a call from a second home said, Hey, here you're doing a fantastic job with this, you know, community. Um, we'd like to talk. Uh, ended up getting them, and then when the third community came on board, we took a hard look at it and we said, you know what, our systems in our current retail pharmacy, if we want to continue to grow this business, you know, we're kind of capped out. Mm-hmm. You, you reach a point where it's you got to make a decision to either like go all in or just <laughs> stop. And so we decided, you know, to go all in. And so now our long-term care pharmacy. Um, over the last five years, we've been in Inc. 5,000 for fastest-growing companies five straight years. Jeez, um, that's awesome. Uh, so that's that's been uh, been, been a, a, a fantastic experience. We have a great leader um, that that is running um, our long-term care business. His name is uh, Dr. Morgan Honeycutt. He's the president of the long-term care division. Um, business and he just does a phenomenal job and it just gets, gets it. And so does his team. So it's very, so it's not just about myself or John or Morgan or Lisa or Matt or anybody else that's here at the conference with us. It's really about the whole team and making sure there's a buy-in from everybody on that higher level of service. Um, and you know, our team truly, I do believe gets that in the retail sense. We do compounding, um, very much uh, a lot of compounding as well. We have a, without getting too far on a tangent, we have a a specialty, we have a, uh, a sterile compounding pharmacy in Northwest Florida um, called Gulf Breeze Apothecary, um, that's actually um, owned and run by my older brother, who's here at the conference with us today, Rick Wilhoite. So it's it's very much a family business as well. Um, so that was our first foray into uh, sterile compounding. But again, it was a need in that community, yeah. uh, an opportunity, and, um, and really, we as a company enjoy um, finding and getting into these niche areas um, and being able to provide a higher level of service than than we believe might be um, out there currently, um, our long-term care pharmacy. Uh, getting back to that, we are now in. Um, we have locations in Knoxville, Nashville, Atlanta, and soon to be um, in Florida as well, servicing um, right around 2,500 um, residents, and and on pace to to break 3,000, assuming you know. Things can happen throughout a year, right? But yep. on pace, based on what we have lined up, to break three thousand uh, residents by the end of twenty twenty two. So it's been it's been a fun
1: ride. Um, it's uh, it's um, uh, we've enjoyed it. So it's incredible. That's incredible. And I think of operations, and I think of taking processes, marketing programs, even how you're using accounting for different divisions. I think of the challenges of growth. When I think of operations, which is something that I'm concentrating on now in my own publication and business, it brings me back to you, John, and that is, so we have our long-term care division, we have our compounding division, we have our community division. How does PDS help you kind of get ideas for each of those, even though it you know, if someone asked me, well, what's PDS do? My elevator speech would be like, Oh, they're like a marketing and business development, you know, business company for community pharmacy. But they've really brought in some good ideas for other facets and other sectors of of pharmacy. So how do you get how do you get ideas or what's coming out of PDS when it comes to long term care specialty compounding that's not just around community pharmacy?
4: Yeah, and, and you were kind of asking there, I guess, the question of what does PDS do for me operationally? And yep. I would go back a little bit to say that um, any kind of operation is, is not going to be successful without really good communication, especially when you have multiple stores across several states. And, you know, I've got PIC scattered all over East Tennessee. Um, to be honest, one of the biggest things that PDS has helped me with is, you know, what did we first start with when we introduced ourselves? Like He's a pharmacist. I'm a pharmacist. I didn't go to school to run a business. I I I, I don't have a financial degree, um, and so PDS helps fill those gaps for us. Um, I'm really proud of our level of uh, communication, and I think that honestly, there's a lot of the membership that doesn't lean on their coaches as much as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, great guidance. I, you know, one of the first things I told my coaches was, um, I want good communication, and they've helped me greatly with meeting cadence. You know, we do... We do monthly meetings, um, reviewing KPIs with the PICs. And we also do a uh, a max monthly uh, team connect. And it's not all on my shoulders. Um, I think the the saying that he and I kind of laugh about is, you know, what was the tent post uh, thing, right? Like you put all your attention on, you know, that one tent post and you get it, you know, set up. But then you got to go do something else. Then it falls over, (laughs) you know, because who's holding it up? And so one of the things I was really proud of and enjoying was that, you know, I try to make every meeting with my team. You know, John gets sick, John has family, other things kind of come up, same thing with Mike. But those things went on because my PDS coaches, like, they had our back. Um, To go a little farther into that, like I said, I don't have a finance degree. Um, We're with PDS Finance and they provide us with an amazing level of detail and, you know, bringing all that together for us. And so that we can very quickly assess how the financial, you know, position of our businesses are without having to dig through general ledgers for a day and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, Jen Deal is one of my coaches. She's amazing. She's been on stage a few times already with this conference. But she'll, she'll go through with me. You know, John, what questions do you have? What can we kind of go through and help me present that financial information? And I've, I've learned a lot. And so not only just trying to be the best operational guy I can for the company, but one of the other things that I told my coaches was, like, I want to grow professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. And they will help you with that as well. There's no reason not to just get as much as you possibly can out of those folks. Um, so that's, I mean, I don't know if that's kind of the what you were expecting, right? Maybe maybe a surprise right. answer a little bit. But for me, that is what PDS has done the most for me over the last um, several months and probably a year is just my growth professionally and solid communication. Because then then what can we do with solid communication? We have new, new programs with PDS. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this from other members that don't have that solid communication. Yeah, I've got a great program. I know how to implement it nothing moves forward yep. because there's no structure to it. And so what helps us move quickly, we jump in a lot on pilots with, you know, both our local college and PDS as well because they tell me they need something. We can very quickly um, move forward on programs because of kind of how we're structured. So
1: what I like is what, what you both have said um, and the key word is solutions, and that is delivering what your patients truly need, not what you think they need. And I think PDS is strong at delivering proven programs that they've assessed before they implement them to make sure that they're working before they start replicating it over and over again to their membership. But one program that works for Max Pharmacy may not work for, um, you know, a pharmacy in Pittsburgh or it might it might be a little bit different. And I think that there's a way to customize these strengths and the the proven programs to repeat over and over again, but then also put it in your hands and have you take it to another level specific to your operation as well. Um, What do you think are biggest challenges right now as community pharmacy owners that you believe could change if we do more advocacy or we educate our politicians or what one thing is holding us back from being more than what we are for our communities today?
4: One thing that quickly jumps into my mind, um, and we won't get off on this tangent cause everybody's going to answer this is just, you know, PBMs. Yep. uh, you know, as far as, you know, political advocacy and, and things going on there, we, yeah, we need, we need help. Our businesses would be in a totally different position as long as everybody else in those, that conference room, um, if we weren't just being squeezed you know by that. and um, you know we have plans in place. I'm actually piloting a program right now in conjunction with you know PDS to help us um, up those performance scores and make it easier and less intense on our, our workflow um, to be able to reduce the DR fees that we all get hit with.
5: PBMs are definitely um part of a problem but my answer would be um provider status mm-hmm. and i think that is um currently you know not having that and um pharmacists really needing that and having the education and the skill set to be that um is currently holding us back as a profession and something that's being worked on been worked on for for you know probably decades now mm-hmm. and we'll eventually get there i do think that um through COVID and the work that pharmacists across the country have put in has probably strengthened the argument and the cause for, you know, getting pharmacist provider status. But I, I currently think that's the biggest thing that, you know, once we get that, because it's going to eventually happen, um, the doors that will open um, for the profession and for pharmacy will be uh, significant.
4: We were on the same page. That was, that was the train of thought that I lost. That was perfect um, because we got a little bit of that you know, kind of medical side of things with, with COVID and we explored some of the billing capacities and, um, something we're working on right now is being able to be, um, credentialed with the payers Mm -hmm. because we're all fighting over that pharmacy dollar, right? There's a lot more out there on the medical side and it's exactly what he was.
1: Yeah. I think moving from our prescription based payment, instead of doing everything around and surrounding a dispensing fee to look at an outcome of a body of patients that have diabetes, for example, and to show that they've improved, um, levels have improved, health has improved, that that is worth the time and money and effort that's put into it as practitioners and as people that really understand the specific disease states. Now, that was diabetes. What about sickle cell? What about hyperlipidemia? What about hypertension? What about... AIDS, uh, HIV, um, one of our hosts, Michelle Sherman, is a well known expert in HIV consulting for other pharmacists. These are all places that if we were recognized from CMS's perspective at a federal level as providers, you could back that up with the outcomes that we know that we're seeing anyway. <laughs> you're just doing the work anyway. You know, you're you're just being paid per prescription. And that's not the way to that's not the way to manage uh healthcare is by the prescription so i i want to know what's happening in mac uh, give us a teaser of what's coming up in the in 2022 and beyond what are you what are you guys working on
4: there's always so much right um uh, i mean a, a funny comment and for me at least would be that um we uh yearly we always we always set our goals right we have our traction meeting and we we make plans and we did that last year <laughs> you know in the year before when when covet hit and so uh um, yeah none of those plans actually kind of came through you know we we were like what they were saying in the conference you know we were we were adapting and um, and changing into what our communities needed us to be so uh you know for this year some of what we're looking forward to is actually setting the goals that we had set one and two years ago and trying to uh you know get through and, and push through on on those um one one thing that I am truly you know excited about and we did you know kind of mentioned it just a minute ago is I am working on that credentialing side of things on a few different avenues. Um, as, uh, you know, as pharmacists and, um, those of us that have been in the industry for a while, I mean, if you just sit there and think about how many different services you provide, mm-hmm. right. There's a, there's a, hundred, a million of them. And do we truly, you know, value those services, you know, the, the, what they should be. And so there's, um, you know, when we're looking at the billing side of things and, and kind of how we package, um, we're looking at different ways to, um, to build those revenue options. Because, you know, as we mentioned earlier with, with PBMs, it's like it's just, you can't run a business on pharmacy reimbursement anymore. So you've got to find other ways. And that's, that's clinical, that's medical billing, that's um, much higher level, you know, services that you can provide and put the value there for the patient to where, uh, you know, it's it's not a crazy thing to ask them to you know to pay for some of those you know the the increased levels of screenings like chris you know talked about with the cognitive screenings um we we need to get out of that mindset of we got to do everything for free or nobody's going to want it um but um yeah there's some capacity for expansion in what we're doing and how we're doing it and i'm excited to kind of get into that and um you know like we discussed earlier with pds it's a great
1: resource to have to kind of get some of those uh process has started and connect with other folks so well i thank both of you uh, mike and john with max pharmacy for sharing uh some of your story we'd like to hear more of your success We'll probably be back at 2023 pds 2023 and um i'm i'm excited and thank you guys for being a part of this
5: thank you it's been fun really appreciate it thanks for the time.